Long before Netflix came along and took a stab at the remake, there was a show that came on Friday nights on ABC called Sabrina the Teenage Witch. And it starred Melissa Joan Hart, who played Sabrina, the 16-year-old girl who suddenly discovers she has magical powers. The only thing I discovered at the age of 16 was the power of a driver's license, but whatever. The show was a hit. It actually lasted seven seasons before finally giving up the ghost. Pun very much intended there. But there's this one episode toward the end of the series. Sabrina's in college and one of her roommates, Miles, finds this paranormal detection device, which is troubling for Sabrina for obvious reasons. It means she might be exposed for who she really is, which coincidentally, or not, is the goal of this episode of the podcast, to expose you for who you really are. culture and film and art, it's music and interesting books, it's conversations and eavesdroppings, it's the impact of friends and complete strangers, the stuff that gets into the cracks of your life and makes you who you are. It's an attention collection. You already have one. The question is, how are you using it? According to IMDb, Grant Nyport only ever wrote one episode of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. It was the one about Miles and the paranormal detection device. But just a couple years later, Grant had something of a paranormal experience of his own at a dinner party. He was making the rounds, chatting people up, and he ran into someone who he describes as one of the saddest people he'd ever met in his life. After talking to other people at the party, he kind of pieced together that this man was involved in some kind of deadly tragedy, and he held himself personally responsible for it. And so even after leaving the party, Grant was haunted by it. The encounter didn't leave him, and he couldn't shake the image of this man. And the image eventually became an idea, and that idea became a screenplay which ultimately found its way to Will Smith's desk. The film Seven Pounds was released worldwide in 2008. So let's think about this for a moment. Obviously, we all know films and songs and books and companies begin with the spark of an idea. But how remarkable is it that a haunting conversation at a dinner party would fester, grow, and ultimately take shape as a film starring one of the most famous people on the planet. A production that would ultimately employ dozens of people and then make its way around the world. And there's another layer to this. Despite the all-star cast of the film, Will Smith, Rosario Dawson, Woody Harrelson, and despite a healthy box office return, the film was ultimately panned by the critics. They gave it like, 26% on Rotten Tomatoes, which you don't want 26% on Rotten Tomatoes. And yet for some people, it's one of the most emotionally stirring films ever made. I'm one of those people. 
Honestly, it remains one of my favorite films to this day. I see it as a message of redemption and hope and longing and personal sacrifice. I've listened to the score and it's almost brought me to tears, even years after watching the film. So what's going on here? How does a sitcom writer turn a sad conversation into an emotional film? And how can something be worthless to some people and yet priceless to others? The answer, of course, is alchemy. If this is starting to sound familiar to you, I actually did an episode on alchemy a while back, but I think it's worth expanding the idea a little bit. And so before we go any further, we should establish a working definition of alchemy. Essentially, it's this mysterious ancient practice of attempting to turn common or even harmful elements into gold. Oh, and maybe also discover the secret to immortality if there's time. You know, like the basic stuff. But early practitioners of alchemy actually believed every material in the world consisted of four elements. Fire, air, water, and earth. And they believed with the help of something called a philosopher's stone, even seemingly worthless things could be purified into precious gold. Now, obviously this practice is shrouded in myth, but I want to submit that the spirit of the idea is absolutely true. It's absolutely possible. In fact, you are an alchemist, and with the right perspective it will become clear to you that there is no such thing as worthless material. Every single thing you encounter has the potential to become gold, even the bad stuff. One of the materials alchemists hoped to transform was lead. And as we've come to know, lead is harmful. It's toxic. It can lead to brain damage. It can lead to death, which is why we don't use it and paint anymore. So the idea of turning lead into gold is poetic and beautiful, it's hopeful. If only it were possible. But what if it is possible? Isn't that what you do when you take a painful experience, a traumatic event, and turn it into poetry or empathy? Or when you share that same experience with other people just to let them know that they're not alone, when you take that uncomfortable story and open it up for the sake of other people? Isn't that what Grant did with the story that eventually became Seven Pounds? Isn't that what we do when we sit with wounds long enough for them to become scars? For them to become these reminders that we survived even when we didn't think it was possible, that we're stronger than we believed ourselves to be prior to that event? prior to that experience? Aren't we turning lead into gold when we take all the shit that happens and just find a way to laugh in the face of it? To take it and turn it into the fertilizer that helps us grow into the people we're becoming? Through this lens, there is no such thing as a worthless experience. There's no random encounter that can't be refined and then transformed. That's power. That's magic. I'm thinking of a typewriter documentary that I recently watched. 
Yes, a documentary entirely devoted to typewriters. It was amazing. But in the documentary, there's this gentleman who goes from garage sales to estate sales to pawn shops and finds old typewriters that no longer work or just the parts and pieces of typewriters and he collects them, he buys them and he takes these pieces that are no longer needed from this outdated old technology and turns it into artwork, turns it into sculptures, which ironically enough are featured in places like Google and Facebook and Silicon Valley. That's what happens when someone takes worthless materials and with the process of alchemy creates beauty, creates gold, creates something worthwhile. Here's where we encounter another key element of alchemy. The stuff that moves you, the stuff that inspires you, challenges you, may not have the same effect on other people. In fact, it may be totally lost on other people. Because even though we all have access to the same basic elements, materials, experiences, something magic happens when these elements are filtered through the individual. That's part of the magic. It's why no two people ever hear the same song, watch the same movie, have the same conversation. It's why you shouldn't give up on your passion just because someone else got there first or did it already. Because those materials never pass through you. There's no reason to be ashamed of your interest. I just plugged a documentary about typewriters on a podcast. And I'm not embarrassed about it. Because you might sleep through it. I was on the edge of my seat. So how can we practice alchemy intentionally? Instead of stumbling into the magic occasionally at random. We need to find the philosopher's stone. Which... By now, you should be asking, what in the world is that in this metaphor? The Philosopher's Stone, for our purposes, is our conscious awareness. It's being awake to our experiences. It's being present in our interactions with other people. Actually being where we are in any given moment. Refusing to phone it in. It seems simple, but you and I both know it's anything but. We are constantly asleep in our experiences because we're daydreaming about the experience we want to have or we're fearful about the experience that might be on its way or we're ruminating on an experience that already happened. Something magical happens when we show up where we are right when we're there. So what does this look like in practice? If you overhear a comment that stands out to you for some reason but you have no idea why, doesn't matter. Write it down. Put it in your phone. Trust me. Take pictures. Highlight articles from pages of things that you would have otherwise never read, but for some reason you're at the doctor's office, you picked up that magazine, and it jumps out at you. Tear the page out. Apologize later. You might sit on a random quote for months before you realize why you captured it that day. It all belongs. You're not just existing you're gathering materials for magic. If you see things that way, everything changes. I think it would be a mistake to end a podcast on the subject of alchemy and magic without at least mentioning Harry Potter. It just feels wrong. 
And I realize there's a bit of controversy right now surrounding the creator, but let's separate the creator from the story, from the work, just for a moment. Before being changed to the Sorcerer's Stone, the first book in the series was originally titled Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, which is fitting, obviously. And there's this section in the book where Harry is grappling with his identity. Everything that he'd been told, everything that he believed up to this point in his story, turns out to have been a lie. And even though he's being escorted to a magical school by a magical giant named Hagrid, even though this giant is looking at him with respect and honor and sees immense power within him, Harry can't seem to accept the idea himself. He can't seem to accept that he's anything more than common or worse. I think you must have made a mistake, Harry tells Hagrid. I don't think I can be a wizard. He'd been pushed around, he'd been forgotten, he'd been ignored. No one ever told him who he really was or what he was really capable of. So naturally, it took some time. It took a complete paradigm shift for Harry to accept it, to step into his own. I don't know where you're at. I don't know if this applies, but maybe this is your nudge too. You are an alchemist already, right where you are. Maybe you didn't know that. That's no longer true. We need your gift. We need your magic. We need your unique expression and perspective. Maybe you did know that. Maybe deep down you have already accepted that in the past and you just need a reminder. Consider yourself reminded.